you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And we'll actually be in uh, verses 8 through 21. Um, but in verses 1 through 7 is where Jesus was born, so it would be strange to not talk about that. Uh, so it starts off in verse 1. Uh, Caesar Augustus makes a decree. He, he wants the, uh, the world to be registered. So he, he says that everyone needs to show up to their towns, their ancestral towns for um, a census. And, and it's, it's funny to me that God, in order to move this little insignificant couple, Joseph and Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, to move them from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where the Christ is to be born, he puts in Caesar's heart and mind that, that he, wants a, he wants a census to be taken. Right? There were any number of ways to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but he did it this way. And, and not only was it the two of them moving, but, but everyone has to travel to their ancestral town because the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. The, the prophets had promised that this is where the Messiah would be born. And so God decided the way he was going to get them there was to have the most powerful man in the world to want a census. Do you see the power that God has? Right? Do, you, do you see his attention to detail to execute his plan just the way he had always intended it. Um, Mary probably didn't have to go to Bethlehem because of the census. This is, Joseph had to get there. This is his ancestral city. He had to get there. Um, but it's understandable that, uh, that Joseph probably didn't want to leave his, his wife back in Nazareth who was ready, who was ready to give birth. Or, or maybe... Maybe Mary and Joseph connected the dots that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, and, and here's this census, and maybe they could see this was God's leading them to where they were supposed to be. Verse 7 tells us uh, that, that there's no room in, in any of the inns. There's no room, uh, there wasn't room for them to rent to spend the night and, and ultimately to have this baby. So they end up somewhere that, that has a manger, which is just this feeding trough, right? A gross, gross thing that you would, you'd never want to put a baby in. Um, that's where they ended up. Some people think maybe it was a cave, like attached to one of the inns. Um, having your firstborn child is, it, it's exciting it was stressful for me. And you're like, Greg, you didn't do anything. You're right. I didn't. Um, but I mean, the anticipation was stressful. Like weeks out, every time my phone rang, I just had this spike in adrenaline. Like it was go time. And I'd answer, if it was my wife, I'd answer, say, hey, babe, how are you? Good. Could you bring some milk? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. I'm, are you okay? Good. Um, I, I, was, I was so excited. I anticipated what was to come, and I wanted everything to be perfect. I mean, we had our go bag ready for the hospital with everything. Um, 
Nowadays, uh, or at least when last, last time we had a, uh, a baby, you have a birthing plan, right? So you, you have all these decisions that you make ahead of time so that in the moment, you hopefully don't have to think through what, 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 do, what do I want, not me, but what does my wife want here um, as she's in labor? But I can't imagine being Mary and Joseph in the stress of traveling too, right? Traveling and, and, and because of this census, every place is sold out. There's no vacancy to be found anywhere. And you end up next to this feeding trough, next to this manger. If I was Joseph, I don't know that I'd feel that great about myself in, in that moment. Um, as a husband, um, when we go somewhere, like I just want things to be right. Um, I, I'm not, I, it's not like I'm a details guy either, um, but, but I want things to, to be right, to be good. I want my wife and my kids to be happy. Uh, if, we, if we're on a road trip and we, we go to a hotel, I want it to be clean, right? I don't want, I don't want my kids to be afraid to like get in the bed um, or, or use the bathroom. Like I hope that, that it is clean, that it is nice, but there was no room in the inn for Mary and Joseph. And there was no room in the inn because God had decided that the place for Jesus was a manger, right? If he could take Caesar's heart and move it wherever he wanted to decide that, that, that there'd be a census to move Mary and Joseph there, he certainly could have opened a room for them. God could make sure that there was a proper place for the Messiah to be born. And the proper place was a smelly feeding trough. God was accomplishing what he set out to do. Let's read together. Um, follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Uh, as of August of 2017, so I know this is a little bit old, um, but August of 2017, there were uh, about three billion people on uh, using social media actively, which is like 40% of the world using social media. Social media has, um, has changed a lot in our world. It's changed a lot of uh, how, uh, just how daily life goes for many of us. Social media has certainly changed 
uh, marketing for companies, right? When they want to sell their product, now they have to account for social media and they use social media in their marketing. So today, there are people that they get money um, for this job. They're called an influencer. I don't know if you know of this term. I didn't know of it until like maybe a year ago. An influencer. So an influencer is an individual who has the, uh, the power to affect the purchase decisions of others uh, by, by their authority, their knowledge, uh, their position, their relationship with their, uh, their followers. Um, so it, it's an individual, and they, they probably have a particular niche that they're uh, actively engaged in. Um, and obviously the size of, of their following depends on that niche. So I follow, many of you won't be surprised by this, but I follow some fishermen um, in the Pacific Northwest called Addicted Fishing. And these guys pump out videos like crazy. And they're just, they're slaying it all the time. They're just hooking fish. And I just want to cry sometimes at how many fish these guys catch. And, and what, not only do they catch fish, but they they talk about what they're using, right? It's really smart. They, they talk about the rods that they use. They talk about the reels that they use, their boats. They talk about the, the, the scents that they put on their baits, right? And so what happens is guys like me who aren't catching fish go and buy all of these things that, that these guys who are, who are dominating the rivers that they use. The right influencer can make a, a big difference for your product. Choosing the right influencer can, can get your product to go viral. And God chose some of his earliest influencers to be shepherds, right? Not, not who we would choose. But I love that God chose these shepherds. Now, shepherding, you can probably guess, was it wasn't a glorious job. Right? It was a lowly job. These people were despised. Uh, shepherds, their testimony wasn't even used in court. Like No one, no one cared what the shepherd thought. Uh, no one showed up uh, near Nazareth or, or Bethlehem at their 10-year reunion and thought, saying, hey, I'm a shepherd now. They didn't think that was going to impress anyone at all. And yet, these are the very people that God chose to send the angels to with this announcement. These are some of the first people that we're going to share that the Savior has been born. And we've picked up as, as we've been uh, preparing, uh, as we've been preparing for Christmas, we've picked up over the last weeks that, that the circumstances, the people, the places surrounding the birth of Christ, it's humble. Humble, humble people, humble little towns um, where the Christ would be from. God loves to show how powerful and how glorious he is by using what shouldn't work, what, what isn't great, what no one's impressed by. And, and he's, he's always done this. Right? He, he chose Israel, this tiny nobody nation that was going to be used to tell the world about him. Here he uses this poor virgin Mary, who maybe she's a teenager, maybe she's not even a teenager yet, She's from a little town of maybe 200 people. And this is who he chose to carry the Messiah. And now he's given this news to shepherds who will be some of the first to announce that the Messiah has come, that the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for. So verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they're filled with great fear, right? They're just out in the fields. 
the stars, the moon. Uh, there's some light from that. And then all of a sudden, this angel appears, and, and it must have been like being hit with floodlights. And they're afraid. In verse 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And truly, the news of the Savior is the great news that Israel was waiting for and the news that the world needed to hear, the news that the world needs to hear today. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that Luke often uses the word joy and he pairs it with salvation through Luke and through Acts. Joy is with salvation. This joy that is from God is because of salvation from God. Uh, the Christ, who is mentioned in verse 11, which we'll get to in a bit, the Christ is it's Greek for anointed one, right? But, but this isn't just an anointed one. This is the anointed one. The Jews had expected that God would send this special deliverer to them. And this was the news that they had been waiting for for generations. The news that, that brings joy that is eternal. This isn't joy that fades. This is joy that lasts forever because the joy of knowing God, of being made right with him, of being forgiven of our sin, lasts forever. It is eternal. Nothing else can bring you joy like knowing Christ, and, and nothing can take away that joy from you. And maybe, maybe you hear or read about joy in scripture, you hear someone talk about the joy of knowing Christ, and, and maybe you think to yourself, I don't know joy like that. Like, I, I've never experienced that kind of joy. I just ask, do you know Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus? And, and maybe, like, yeah, I've been, I've been going to church for a long time. I wonder if, if the brand of Christianity that, that you bought into is this American brand that, that tries to hold on to a little bit of Jesus here and then a little bit of everything else in this world. And what happens in that brand of Christianity is there's this false sense of security that you're in him. And, and yet scripture tells us, no, following Jesus is, is, is making him Lord. It's giving, it's giving him all of who you are. There's no greater joy in knowing Christ. And I wonder, do you know him? And, and maybe, maybe you hear about this news, and maybe you are following Jesus, right? You're all in with Christ. But we hear about this news, and we've heard so many times we've forgotten. We've forgotten how, how good this good news is, the, the joy that it really produces. And I think it's that we've forgotten that we needed to be rescued. I don't know if you remember uh, the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks. It's, it's pretty old by now, so I don't feel bad about spoiling anything. Um, he, he worked, I think it was for FedEx. Uh, they're going internationally somewhere. His plane crashes. He's the only one that survives, ends up on this shore, and he's got to figure out how to survive. Right? And, 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 and at first, he thinks, okay, i just got to figure out how to eat and drink, and eventually a plane's going to come over, or, or a boat will float by. Well, he survives for a while. He never sees a plane, never sees a boat. And he realizes no rescuer's coming. No one's coming 
to save him. He has to save himself. So uh, finally, he finds enough supplies to, to fashion a raft, and, and he sets sail, and eventually a, a ship comes across him and saves him. And, and you can, even if you haven't seen the movie, you can imagine the joy of finally being rescued. And, and spiritually, we're kind of like that. Right? We, we can't save ourselves. We need someone to rescue us. Israel knew that they needed to be rescued. If you know Jesus, you came to that point too where you, you knew that you needed to be rescued. I grew up in church. Right? I grew up, my parents did a great job of, of telling me all the Bible stories. My Sunday school teachers were, were godly men and women that, that taught me the stories. I knew that Jesus had died, but then there was a day when I realized I needed Jesus to die for me. I needed to be rescued for my sin. Just because I was born into church didn't mean I was born a Christian. Like I needed I needed to be rescued, and Israel knew that they needed to be rescued. There was, there was no doubt they'd been waiting. All of Israel's hopes were going to be met in Jesus. Right? Everything that God had told them and promised them was about to be met in Jesus the Christ. I love this verse from 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. Right? This is how significant Jesus is. That all, all of God's promises are, are met. They're wrapped up in Jesus the Christ. Jesus was everything that they're waiting for and more. So this news is reason to celebrate. It's reason to have joy. It's how great Jesus is. The announcement to the shepherds was truly good news of great joy. Verse 11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And maybe this reminds us of a couple of weeks ago when we were in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Right? These shepherds are told, unto you, right? even unto you, you lowly shepherds, this child is born today. For your benefit, he is the Savior. Unto you is reason for great joy. Unto you, unto all the people. It's not just uh, the rich and the powerful, right? It's not just the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the Sadducees. It, it's not. It's not just this elitist thing. It's it, it, the angel tells them these shepherds. It's unto you. It's unto you, shepherds. It's unto all the people, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, the healthy, the sick. The prophecy in Isaiah started with, unto us a child is born. The angel says, the child is born unto you. Verse 10, you might remember, it said, all the people. And, and all the people speaks of all of Israel, that this is for everyone, even you, shepherds. This, there's no one that this is not for, but, but all the people isn't just limited to Israel. We know that, right? We, we know that throughout Scripture, God's, God's heart, his view is always for the nations to come to know him. It was never intended to just be Israel's little secret that they kept to themselves, the salvation. No, they were, they were to glorify God and tell the world about him. God's heart has always been for the nations. 
right? Our heart ought to be for the nations. It's, it's, why, uh, it, it's why we talk about perspectives every time that class is available. Um, perspectives is, is a, a class on the, the world Christian movement. How, how is the message spreading? How is God using his people all over the globe? And we're hosting that class in January. This afternoon, um, there's, uh, we're calling it Taste of Perspectives. It uh, starts at two o'clock. Even if you didn't RSVP, you can come, but it, it's a way for you to find out, okay, what's this class really all about? Because Matt says he loves it, and Greg says he loves it, and most of our elders have taken it. Like, what is this class about? This, today's your chance uh, to come and find out about that um, commercial done for that. Uh, so that this is for all people, though, is, is truly reason for great joy. I don't know, have you, ever, um, have you ever received a gift from someone that was a Christmas gift that was unexpected? Like you, you didn't see it coming. And I'm not, I'm not talking about one of those awkward moments when you get a present from someone and you, you thought that the two of you had an unspoken understanding that you don't exchange presents, right? That you don't do that with each other. And then they give you a present and you're like, oh, shoot your gift isn't wrapped yet, which is totally true because you haven't even purchased their gift. So how could you wrap it yet, right? It, I'm not, I don't mean that moment. That moment stinks. I'm sorry when that happens. But I, I'm talking about a scenario that, that doesn't leave you feeling guilty, um, but it does catch you off guard. You're, you're just shocked that, that this, this other person even thought to give you a gift. And then you open it and you're blown away by how thoughtful and loving and just perfect this gift is for you. Right? The, the gift is so good that you don't even have space to feel guilty about not giving them something. Because you, you can see how much love is wrapped up in this gift for you. So you're just in this place of, of disbelief that, that someone could give you such a good gift somehow they, they just nailed it. Like they bought you a better gift than you could even think to buy yourself, right? Like I hope you've received a gift like that at some point. Well, unto you is born this day the Savior, the Rescuer, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord. Unto us the Savior was born. Before we understood that we needed to be rescued, he came. Before we knew we needed the Messiah. He had entered into humanity before we knew that we needed someone else to be Lord. He was born unto you. The birth of Jesus unto us is better than our wildest dreams. He wasn't even on our wish list. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And the angel here makes an assumption that, that the shepherds are going to hear this good news, this incredible news, and that they're going to want to go find out. And he's right. They, they believed the message. They were going to go confirm to, for themselves. So he gives them a sign that there would be a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, right? And this sign certainly helped them recognize who the Messiah was. There might be multiple babies in Bethlehem that night wrapped in swaddling cloths, but there would not be another baby lying in a manger because no one would do that. You don't, especially as a new parent, you want everything to be as clean as possible. Now, by the time you get to like the third kid, binky drops in the ground, no big deal. But that first kid, you like, I think they sell sterilizing kits, right? That you can like pop that thing in. So, so who's going to set 
their baby in a manger. It's gross. It's nasty. I'm sure Joseph did, did what he could to make it not as gross, but I'm sure it reeked. I'm sure it didn't look pretty. The humble circumstances just continue with our Savior. And even just him coming as a baby, which we haven't really talked about, I don't think you can come in a more vulnerable state. I, I can't imagine a more vulnerable state than, than being a baby. The, the Christ, he can't do anything for himself. Right? If you've held a newborn, you know, like, you've got to hold their head because their neck isn't strong enough to support it yet. Like, the baby can't wipe themselves. Baby can't feed themselves. By the time, by the time these shepherds get here, like, Jesus can't even focus his eyes on them yet. Right? Baby can't focus their eyes until like a month. And even then, it's only like within 12 inches. And this is how Jesus came. What a vulnerable way God chose to come and even chose the trough. So this strange sign bolstered the belief of these shepherds. It was just like the angel had promised. And I wonder, do you recognize when God does exactly what he said he was going to do? And does that encourage your faith? Does that help you keep following after Christ? It's interesting to me, too, that um, some of us were talking about this this week, that, that Jesus' life starts off in, in this humble wooden manger, and then his life would end on this humble wooden cross. Like, like we think that the manger is lowly. Man, the cross is even lower. Verse 13 And suddenly there was an angel, or sorry, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So before the peace is spoken about, you'll notice the the glory of God is spoken about. There is no peace without God's glory. In, In order to know peace, you need to know God, know how truly glorious he is. Peace on earth with whom God is pleased or on whom God's favor rests. This is God's grace on people. God gives peace to those who trust in his son, who is the very glory of God. Right? And let's not forget what it means that God gives peace. This is a healing of our estrangement between us and God because of our sin. So this peace would come through Jesus' blood shed on the cross for our sin. God forgiving us for trusting ourselves instead of him. God forgiving our our rebellious hearts and mind and action against him. Colossians 1.13, I love it. Paul describes it, God says he he transfers us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you know Jesus, who is God, you have peace. And if you don't know Jesus... You don't have the peace that the Bible talks about. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They, they took off. 
right? As soon as the angels leave, they say, hey, we've got to go see this for ourselves, right? And, and it's a done deal in their mind. They believe what the angel had said, right? What the angel told them from the Lord, they believe it. And they're excited at the news that they've been waiting for, that their people had been longing to hear, and that this news included them. So they were not about to wait around. They, they take off, and their response makes sense. They knew that they needed to be rescued. They had to see the rescuer for themselves. Do you know that you needed to be rescued? Are you eager to see the Christ? Verse 17 When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. When they saw it, they they made known. They made known everything that the angel had said to them. Do you you enjoy telling people about good things? Like like good food, or or if you you see a good movie, uh, or if you found like a great hiking trail, or or a good book. Do Do you love to tell people about good things? I do. Like, I feel like the app Yelp was just created for me because I just, I get to share every insider detail I have about the chicken sandwich I just ate, and I think it's glorious, right? I, I love telling people about good stuff that I've found. But even if you don't love to share good things with people, the news of Jesus coming is too good to keep to ourselves. And I love that that's what the shepherds did. They, they saw and then they told Right? They, they told what happened. They didn't need uh, a course on how to talk about the good news from Jesus. Right? They just spoke it. They, they, didn't, they didn't say, hey, let's have a prayer meeting first before we share this good news. And Adam, obviously, prayer is great. But they just went for it. Right? They told as they had opportunity. They were eager to tell what they'd heard about Jesus and now what they had seen. They believed that he was the Savior and that we need him, and that's a normal response when you meet Jesus, when you see Jesus, that you're eager to tell. A response that does nothing with the good news doesn't make sense, and I'm not trying to make us feel guilty, right? Like, I know probably the top two things that we all feel can feel guilty, we're prone to feel guilty about as a church all the time is, is, is not like just soaking in God's word and not telling people about Jesus, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to heap guilt on you, but I am fearful of us getting comfortable with not telling people about Jesus. So if there's guilt, what we do is we bring that to Christ. We confess, Lord, I don't know what happened to me. I don't know. I used to talk about you, or, or maybe that was never you, but Lord, will you give me a boldness to share why I'm filled with joy in you. I would also encourage you to share with the Lord, but also share with a friend. I hope you have a brother or sister in Christ that you you can share real stuff with, you you can confess to, uh, because there is something, there's something powerful, there's something that's just instantly tangible, uh, this, this, this good pressure that you have when you confess to another Christian. It, it, it takes you from being stuck to, to freeing you. It helps, it helps move you forward and grow. Well, how was, the, how was the news received? It says, the people that heard wondered and marveled. The NIV says they were amazed. Uh, we cannot forget that there will be people 
that when Christians share about Jesus, there will be people that respond to the gospel, that will wonder, that will be amazed, and that will, will, will decide to follow Christ because that's what God is doing in their hearts. And, and I know we live in a part of the country, the Pacific Northwest is, uh, is, is not into Jesus. Um, a lot of people we meet, um, we, we probably assume they want nothing to do with Christ. And, and we've heard people tell us they want nothing to do with Christ. But we have to remember that there will be people that respond to the good news in faith and that God will fill them with great joy. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. It happened just like the angel said it would. And they left there just glorifying God, praising God for what they'd heard, what they'd seen, the whole experience. They were not at all disappointed or underwhelmed by Jesus. And we're going to see that next week, too, with the Magi. Right? These, the, these wise men that travel a long ways to come see this new king, what do they do? They fall down and they worship. They were not underwhelmed by Christ. If you are underwhelmed by Jesus, you have not seen who Jesus is. He is glorious. He is the gift given by the Father that you didn't even know you needed. Verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So today, how how do you respond to the good news? Whether it's your first time hearing the good news or the hundredth time, how do you respond to the good news that unto you a Savior is born? Do you believe? Is there excitement to see him for yourself, to know him? Do you find yourself praising God and and telling others about the Christ? That's what the shepherds did, right? They they had it right. They, They believed, they had faith when they heard this message from the angels and when they saw for themselves, they were excited. They ran away just praising God, glorifying him, and they're just ready to tell everyone, everyone that would listen about the Christ. So is that how you respond? Do you you have faith when you hear God's word? Is your faith increased? Are you filled with awe and wonder as you learn more and more about who Jesus is? Or is your time in the word, is it dry? Is it lifeless? Like the shepherds, are you excited to be near Jesus? Do you make haste to go to be where Jesus is? Do you just want to sit at the feet of Jesus, right? Do you find yourself in your life just willing to sacrifice whatever you need to so that you can be with Christ, right? Are you willing to maybe get up earlier or, or skip a workout that day or, or, or not watch a show or, or whatever it is just to be with Jesus? I love Psalm 27.4. David says, one thing have I asked for, or have I asked of the Lord that I, uh, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David just wanted to be with the Lord. Are you eager to come on a Sunday, not just to see your friends at church, but to gather as God's people and and be with the Lord? Are you excited for Jesus' return again, that, that he is coming back? The shepherds, like I said, they left praising and glorifying God. And I wonder, is that you? Right? Is that just normal of you? Do, do, do words of praise just overflow from your heart and your mouth? Because when we're filled with joy about this good news, it's hard not to talk about Jesus. Like it, it takes effort. So are you eager to tell others? Right? Do other Christians know you as just this encouragement because you, you just regularly talk about what the Lord is doing and who he is and what you learn uh, about the Lord? Will you tell people that don't yet trust in Jesus? Right? You're looking for opportunities to tell them. Like the shepherds, do you hear the good news that unto you is born a Savior? And does that news fill you with great joy? Right? These, these shepherds were not the influencers that I ever would have picked. But God did. And God also picked you. And I hate to break it to you, but he, didn't, he never has chosen the best and the brightest. Right? <laughs> Humbling moment. He chose us. Right? He chose us. Not because you, you're going to be some great teacher about Jesus on your own, but but because he's going to use you, this nobody person from a nothing town, to tell everyone uh, the good news about Jesus, that we can be forgiven. This is what Christmas is is all about, is that Jesus came because we needed to be rescued. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, you're so good. Obviously, you're... You're better than we ever could have imagined. You're, you're way beyond what, what we could even think we deserve, Lord. God, I, I just confess that it's easy, being in the church my whole life, it's easy to hear the Christmas stories and, and it become old hat to me, Lord. I, I confess that to you, Lord. Will you help me to repent of that, Lord, to turn away from that, to to see this story from your word with brand new eyes, Lord, fresh eyes that realize that Christ came in glory, even though it didn't look like glory, the glory that Christ came in glory so that we could know him, so that we could be forgiven. Lord, we want to be a people that are just so overflowing with joy that we can't help but tell the world. God, we confess that so often we're cowards, Lord. Will you give us a boldness to share about what we've seen and what we've heard, Lord? It's in your name we pray. Amen.